And we're back for another part train. It's just Mr. Matt Cermak and myself, Evan Singer, uh, your your host. Yo. Stratton couldn't join. Um, we miss we miss him. We mi- we do we miss him. Um, but thank you guys for listening to another part train. In case you're new, we are the show that makes your life less frustrating than your golf game. Taking lessons that you learn on the course, apply them to your life. We've gotten PGA Tour pros, best-selling authors, CEOs. Um, in this case, we had Chris Kaiser. is the second time coming on the show. He's the COO yep. of um, MLK Consulting. They're essentially the company that own and operate your favorite golf resorts around the world. So Bannon Dunes, you've probably heard of, Sand Valley in Wisconsin, Cabot Links and Cliffs in Nova Scotia, Canada. Um, they've got the Dunes Club in Michigan, right? The, li- the list goes on. And the they're looking at abroad family as well. In the golf industry. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we talk about that. But um, before we get into the intro and the episode, uh, it's going to be almost June by the time this comes out, May 31st, um, right around Sheep Ranch, the new course at Bandon Dunes. We'll get to that. But you know what happens in June, Sarm? Uh, Father's Day, heard of them? Is this the perfect time to say thank you to your dad? Um, whether or not Got the roll back here. <laughs> doing everything from home or uh, everything they've done for you up to this point. To me, there is maybe no better holiday to get someone something than Father's Day with Roback, our, our proud partner at Roback.com. Yeah. I mean, I think I got the, I'm wearing Roback right now. I mean, it's wearing the Roback best. right now. You, everyday um, gear the the i feel like they're coming out with a new polo like every other week now so there's a lot of new stuff at the website if you guys haven't gone in a while um enter the code stay home um and go to roback.com i mean i'm telling you i said this uh in our episode with alan shipnuck about the max i'll say it again um sir i don't know if you felt this way or if this has happened to you but um i don't wear anything else now like ever since I started wearing Roback, I don't wear my Travis Matthew. I don't wear my Nikes. I don't wear Adidas. I, I'm, it is such superior. And I'm not just saying this, like yeah. the way that it feels when you play, it's like, you feel like extra cool um, yep. temperature wise because it's, it just wicks the moisture. So, and it's just so flexy and comfortable and the collar doesn't get all ruined after it, five it, washes. Right. It's just so much better. It wears well. The hats are really comfortable. Um, that that wear well too. I don't know how you beat them right now. I mean, there's so many. Yeah. You know, they're all so many good apparel brands, but they really do a great job, and they've been a great partner to the show. So, I think it's if the guys perfect. If you guys don't have any rollback gear, at least one shirt or one hat, what are you doing? Yeah, Why, I don't know what you're doing. The promo code. It's kind of a funny. <laughs> it's kind of a funny opportunity for a son or a daughter to say, "Hey, dad." I know you're probably wearing like Peter Millar and you may not know what Roback is, or you may think it's something for the kids, but I would love to see the parents or the dad's reaction the first time they put it on and play in it. I would actually love if you guys send us those videos at the par train on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Heard of it. And, uh, well, let's, we're not on TikTok. Send us yet, those but. videos. <laughs> And maybe we can work with Roback to uh, do something special. But Great definitely part. go to Roback.com, enter the code, stay home. All right, let's talk about Chris Kaiser. Yep. Sirm, you know I get extra excited every time Chris comes on. I mean, you do. 
what Chris and his family do at Bannon Dunes, Sand Valley, Cabin. Everything they touch. Everything they touch turns to gold. And everything they're about, I'm about. I love everything they do. It's all about making golf fun again. It's all about being in these remote sites where the things that matter most are at the forefront. It's connection. It's with the people you love. It's being outside and it's playing a game, right? And that's what they're all about. And this episode, I thought, was maybe even better than our first one because we got to understand, one, how have they navigated having, you know, you have one of the best resorts around the world and they're got to be booked, right? And then suddenly there's cancellations come through, COVID-19 hits. He talked us through that, you know, his oh shit moments. But then also right. like, how have they responded to that? Right. How have they made it easier? Yeah. How have they helped us? Well, it's great. I mean, they've got obviously Sheep Ranch is going to be the new, their new course opening up at the Bandon Dunes Resort on June 1st. It looks just amazing. Um, we talked about that. Um, we talked about the portfolio of courses. They've got a lot of new courses in the works. And we, you know, we love the par three courses they're doing. They're building a short course called Sedge Valley at the Sand Valley Resort in Wisconsin. Yeah. It's a 6,000 yeah, yard site when we were there. Par 68, a lot of driving the par fours. They're building a 10 hole par three course. He'll talk, he talks about a cabin, the cabin links property, but a cheap ranch is what everybody needs to look out for. And, yeah. uh, 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 they're just an innovative design by Cork Crenshaw again. So um, I don't know. You can't, you can't, there's not enough you can say about what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of wild to think that you wouldn't want to go to a place that has three courses in the top like 20 or even 10. I'd, I'd have to look at the rankings, but I know Pacific Dunes is like number two in the country. Um, Bandon, yeah. I think was in the top 10, maybe 11 or 12 and sheep ranch is apparently the best land on the property. And so we really <laughs> dig into like what makes the course unique. Um, when this comes it's, out, I'm sure yeah. there's going to be a lot out about sheep ranch on, on their launch on June 1st. But I think Chris right. hasn't done any other interviews, any other podcast. Well, so- yeah, right. I mean, I would encourage the listeners to really kind of, like you said, there's going to be tons of press. Yeah. Listen to this interview and, <laughs> taking it you know the kaiser family's perspective and i think yeah. that's that's really cool it was great to have him on great timing um he's just a great guy and, and a friend of the show yeah so, yeah we love chris and thank him yeah. again for coming on so um let's just kick it to chris and i feel like i'm going to be listening to this episode again myself to feel like i'm going even though right. i don't although i have considered driving up to oregon from la i'm not gonna yeah. lie yeah, let's kick it to, <laughs> to Chris and hear all about Sheep Ranch, shall we? Do it. And we are back for his second time hopping on the train. Chris Kaiser, um, one of our favorite guys to talk to, historically would kick off the interview with the first mm-hmm. question. But since you guys, you know, have known each other for a while and you're both Chicago guys, I wanted Cermak to kick it off with a little <laughs> uh, last dance, Michael Jordan talk. Before we get into wow. some golf talk, love it, Chris. What have you learned? I feel like I've known a lot about this team in the history, but there's been some nuggets in there that I think were interesting and shockers. You know, Ev over here is jumping on the bandwagon with Jordan. You know, <laughs> uh, but what have you found most interesting about the documentary? 
there's a there's a lot there. Uh, I remember before they launched the series, MJ was saying, you know, after watching this, you guys, you guys might hate me. And if anything, I feel like I've had the opposite uh, reaction to it. I mean, yes, he's a bit of a hard ass. He's hard on his team. He calls them out. But, you know, having watched Kobe more recently do that, that was no surprise to me. I kind of knew those guys are killers. Um, I was almost most interested in terms of his evolution the way they position it, at least coming out of college, you know, they position him as this earnest, hardworking young guy, almost like Antetokounmpo and the way he talks about himself and people cover him. Yeah. You know, there's partying in the league and MJ or now Antetokounmpo staying, you know, in their apartment, hitting the gym, working hard. Um, so it's interesting for me to kind of see that early MJ and seeing like the first, the first three Pete, one, two, three in a row. You know, I was born in 88, so I more gravitated to the second half. And his athleticism and finishes and plays in, you know, the late 80s, early 90s were insane. And I didn't really get a front row seat, even being in Chicago, to see that. Yeah. It was cool to see the young NBA for me. I mean, we're the same age. And my first memory was 93. Now, I was only five. But when Paxson hit the game winner, I remember my dad running around the house. You know, I, so I remember, and I remember him retiring and playing baseball, but 96 is when it was just like total locked yeah. in. But you're right. 80s Michael is, we all knew about the bad boys rivalry, but when you really get to kind of dig into him as a person, it's right. pretty cool, you know? Right. I, or even like, you know, rookie season, sophomore season guys like Magic Johnson, Larry Bird saying, oh yeah, he's the best player in the league. Like Bobby Knight, whoa. best player in the world in 1984 before he played an NBA game. Yeah. <laughs> Insane. He hit a, you know. National championship game winner in North Carolina. We've all seen that, but like, whoa, almost like LeBron and his coming up. A little different because MJ wasn't in the age of Instagram, but. Well, Chris, you know, and I think this was cool for us Chicagoans growing up, but like every, you grew up in St. Louis and just everybody were Bulls fans. Like, right? Like. Yeah. You, I, I remember, I remember watching for sure. Um, you know, I don't think anyone in St. Louis is real big in NBA fans because we never had a team, but. I would follow and watch the Bulls because I think everybody gravitates to greatness. The one thing that caught me that I didn't realize actually really inspired me was that he played for seven years without winning. And I didn't realize he was catching so much flack in the media about not being able to win the big one, right. um, yeah. which kind of makes me, this is a follow-up question, Chris, that I just thought about. Do you guys, and this can be for you too, Sarm, do you guys think that there is a lot of weight and there should be a lot of weight being put on when you get to the championship never losing because there's this whole thing about like Montana and Brady and how everyone says Brady's the best now but Brady and LeBron too like they've lost a lot while being in the finals they've been to a lot of finals mm -hmm. you know and there's something to be said about going to a lot of finals but Michael never lost and so how much do you think that attributes to being the greatest? You or me first, Sir Mac. Go ahead, go ahead. I think you're gonna feel, we're going to feel the same. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, you know, let's focus on LeBron. Some of the Cavaliers teams he brought to a final, yes, he lost, but absolutely insane. I mean, it took a gargantuan effort. Only the best player in the world could have gotten some of those teams maybe to the finals or to be in contention. So, you know, I think it's a little bit unfair maybe to say never lost in the finals to, you know, LeBron with more of a mixed or even record in the finals. 
you know, you, you could have argued MJ, you know, should have gotten to the finals on those other years. He should have beaten the bad boys, whatever it was. Yeah. But, so I think it's unfair to. to but I think what hurts LeBron is you're, you're right on those, some of those Cleveland teams, but he called up his best friends to change the whole dynamic of the NBA. And they lost to a very, like, not as good Mavs team. He right. scored eight points. Yeah. Like, you know, and then they lost to an old Spurs team. So they go two for four. So, like, you know, like, you've had your chances. And he may win again, but it's like he called up more of his friends to go. Right. So the, f- the funny thing, though, <laughs> is you could say the same thing about, like, Michael didn't win until he got Scotty and Rodman. Well, but so- Scotty – Scotty's first year as an all-star was in 1990 and they lost in game seven when he got a migraine. So there yeah. so, so Scotty was never an all-star prior to that. And LeBron gets yeah. his championships with all-stars. And that's the story of the NBA, right? Magic, yeah. Larry, you know? Yeah. I think LeBron, because of the way he did it, got so much negative press, but you look at any one of these teams, there's multiple all-stars, if not hall of famers, you know, Scotty Pippen has to sit out the first half of, I forget, what year it was right and you know the team was mediocre so right. it takes a great team great coach and I think we all gonna the old nba era right chris i mean it's just it's fun to it's fun to look back i love watching the old videos you gotta love a little basketball talk to start but great tackle. um we're all quarantined right now right and we thought you know what if there was a video game and i know people have simulators and Bandon is is in some of them, but let's say you had a video game, a Kaiser Resort video game. Mm-hmm. What's the one course you play the most from home, and why? The one course I would play from home the most, hmm. probably Trails. Oh, and oh, I like here, that. Here's why: I'm convincing myself as I <laughs> as I talk out loud. Um, you know, being in person, a lot of people discount trails because it's not on the ocean. But I think if you take the ocean away, trails is arguably as good, if not better than any other course that, you know, we've been involved in developing. It's also a fairly difficult course. So like we were just talking about, you know, when I cold top it, shank it, pull it, thin it, a little bit less forgiving, let's say, but in video game, you have the power of, you know, putting it where you want to. That's great. So that's my the, the, the back it up with the driver move. Right. Spin back with the back driver. And after the bomb. Yeah. And there's something <laughs> about playing the hardest course on the video game or links golf on our computers in the nineties. Right. right. And they to that point, right. I mean, I think my highest score might've been at trails and it was my favorite, but with <laughs> the state, obviously of everything that's going on, um, we did want to dive into, you know, what you guys have done. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's an interesting situation, right? Because you've got properties, you've got an operation that is across the globe. Mm-hmm. And when you think about different um, local governments having different guidances, yeah. um, how have you balanced the local guidances with, you know, trying to create a central strategy for how you reopen and how you've handled this so far yeah it, it's been obviously for everyone a tough eight eight or so weeks um i think we're on the back end of it and it feels a lot better either being open or talking about opening we're now open at sand valley and bandon it really you know to answer your question has just been about information sharing as much as possible between resorts so 
we cracked the code early on at one property uh, relating to housekeeping. Okay, take that blueprint, share it with the other team. It's not saying do this, but it's saying here's a roadmap and deviate where you need to. So whether it's housekeeping, whether it's F&B, whether it's the check-in process, pre-arrival, every component of our operation, you know, anytime someone kind of cracks the code, okay, we share that information across properties. Um, but it's been tough. I mean, you look at Cabot Links and they're impacted by the border shutdown between Canada and the U.S., which as of this week has you know, been made indefinite. So not only is there a closure, something we have to contend with, but there's no end date in sight. Right. Um, that's just one example. But even in the U.S., Sand Valley and Wisconsin, very different, you know, climate and guidance than, let's say, Bandon Dunes in, in Oregon. Do you think there's anything that you guys are doing right now, and we can get into that in more detail of how you guys are handling it, but is there anything that you've had to do through these times that you think is actually a good thing that you'd want to institute and, and continue in the future? Yeah, it's, it's a cool question. It's something that's been on our minds. So there's you know certain things like grab-and-go F&B where I think it's really just a temporary measure. We want to make it as awesome as possible, and our goal is to make it so good that our guests say, we didn't even miss sitting in the restaurant, <laughs> but I think realistically we're going to go back to normal. Um, there's certain things, whether it's, you know, remote check-in to your hotel room, um, certain trends like that, where it's been on our radar for a few years, but no, not this quarter, not this quarter, not this year. Now all of a sudden, okay, we want to make this, we want to make this real. Uh, we've been looking at this automated tech system at Bandon Dunes, which we can use on the back end for staff front end for guests, it almost acts like a um, you know, personless or faceless concierge system. And we now need to do that for various reasons on the back end and front end. And I think that's going to help us because next time you go to Bandon, let's say next year, you can text this number, hey, I forgot my head cover or yeah. you know, we need to push back our dinner reservation. And all you have to do is send a text message. Mm -hmm. So it's not fully flushed out yet, but there have been a few cases, and those are just two, where we think it's going to have, you know, it's going to live beyond just this COVID period. It's just kind of sped everything up, right? Totally. But, but the, the goal is it's going to be, things are going to be more efficient. 100%. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure there are other examples, remote check-in. I, I, if I think of the other ones, I'll, I'll bring them up. But there, there are a few where we think, you know, they're going to live beyond this time. Sure. sure. Chris, you guys got a lot of courses now in your portfolio and to uh, have a little fun, we're going to give you four of your courses and you got to give the listeners a one sentence answer, not one word, one sentence that, descri that describes the courses to you. Okay. Okay. Number one, the Dunes Club. The Dunes Club. No tea markers, tons of fun, Pine Valley-esque. I mean, I'm so, in. <laughs> it's the original. It's the OG. So yeah. Uh, uh, number two, Sand Valley. Sand Valley, sand everywhere, firm and fast, finish strong. Number three, the nest at Cabot Links, not currently open yet. All right, uh, the <laughs> nest. I've not yet seen it in its finished, playable form. But from the walks I've had during construction, what I've seen now, uh, perched above everything, you're going to love what the team has done, but maybe 
even more so distracted by the views that you have. I think it's the perfect kind of afternoon complement to 18 or 36 on either of the courses. 10 holes, right? 10, yeah. Lastly, Sheep's Ranch. Sheep Ranch. Uh, mile of ocean frontage, nine greens on kind of the edge of the world is how it feels. <laughs> uh, Corin Crenshaw created a, a routing that feels kind of old world. There's no bunkers. And you're going to have a blast, and it's going to make you think really hard about why you love the course so much. You guys had a really nice article done on your family in Golf World last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and Evan Schiller had some great photography of your guys' clubs, and we had Evan on the show. So just a really fun article. And they mentioned in there the Kaiser family made golf great again. Um, I think we all think that's really true. I think Evan and I were talking, we think you know, guys really made golf fun again. And for people listening that, you know, don't know a ton about you guys, you know, mm-hmm. that's, they're going to know more. Um, can you talk about that fun idea? Um, because, you know, Evan's played a lot of your courses and I've yeah. played the dunes and such. So I think it all comes from my dad. Uh, he, you know, he kicked this whole thing off. Michael and I feel super fortunate that we get to now work with him and do what we do and, and work together. And I think one of his, greatest strengths in life and in business is he, he asks great questions and he listens to anyone and everyone, whether you're the taxi cab driver or shuttle van driver taking us from, you know, Killarney out to a golf course or, you know, you're running the show somewhere, he's always listening. And so I think he kind of applied that when he went on his, his trips over the years to Scotland, Ireland, old world golf courses. And he just thought about why is that so great? Why do I want to keep on doing it? No matter if it's been in a, a magazine or touted or we just stumbled into it. And I think he boiled it down to kind of the no frills, you know, no throw pillows, no ATM fees, no concierge, just awesome golf. Um, and a component of that is I think seeing his own game and people he play plays with, he likes to play fast. And so stopping to look for your ball, or have people help you look for your ball because they feel obligated. That's right. like the worst thing possible in his mind. Pace of play issues, people get stressed out, right? Yeah. Totally. Yeah, it's pace of is, yeah. is big for him. So pulling from all these different sources of insp- inspiration and people, I think it boiled down to, can you make golf, you know, great golf courses, fun to play. You don't feel destroyed and humiliated and want to give up the game. So long answer, but I think it kind yeah. of down to his approach. The, the interesting thing about that, Chris, is it's like, I think, I don't know, my sense, you tell me if, if, I'm, if I'm wrong here, but my sense is that it's probably started like that, right? Great golf. Yeah. Get the golf right, everything else falls into place. Yeah. From my time at Sand Valley, when you guys were nice enough to show us around and we got to learn more about the history and the things that are being done in Sand Valley specifically, I learned that it seems like golf was almost like the the first, like dip your toe. And there's so much more potential that can come from these properties. Meaning, I know you guys are doing a lot in the local area um, with foresting trees um, and creating gardens and having tennis, you know, t- uh, grass tennis courts and four wheeling and using the land to give back to the communities and right. leveraging it to do more. Would you say that the, the starting with 
obviously that's the core, right? But do you think you agree that that's kind of evolved and you guys see that there's been a new opportunity to leverage these properties to do more in the area? Yeah, I think so. I think it depends on the property at Sand Valley. That's certainly the case. Yeah. Uh, Michael, my brother and I have really been excited about all the opportunities beyond golf, but always reminding ourselves that golf comes first, second, right. third, fourth, and fifth. Uh, but things like grass tennis, having our you know chicken coop and garden, you know kayaking and paddle boarding, hiking. I think it, it boils down to you know long term what are we passionate about? Yes, it's golf, but even bigger than golf is being outdoors with people that you sure. love. Yeah, uh, our our grandfather, my dad's dad, was an Eagle Scout. He loved the family on hiking trips. And so I think that kind of seeded that love of outdoors with my dad and golf was kind of the application, the way he decided to apply it. And he loves golf. Um, but even bigger picture is just the love of outdoors and being a family and friends and people who share your values. So. So you mentioned being outside with people you love, right? We've talked before about this point I'm about to make last time you're on the show, which was like a couple years ago, which is crazy. Right. Um, but we've talked about the voyage, right? The journey. A lot of your courses are in remote locations. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a big part of what makes the experience so special is that shared voyage there, but also the feeling of being in a remote location in a world where we're constantly bombarded with information. You guys offer the opposite, right? It's a, it's a way to unplug and be outside with people you love. Ironically, do you think that a time like this, a time where where physical distancing and the risks of dense areas and being around people, does, does it almost make your properties even more of a godsend to visit because of how remote it is? It's interesting you, you, know, you say that. We've, we've certainly seen that in just the last few weeks since opening Sand Valley May 1, Bandon uh, May 14th, or sorry, 11th this Monday. The people who have come are, you know, our, our typical avid golfer, maybe even the the more avid of, of the avid. Uh, there was a car with Sheep Ranch kind of wax uh, painted on the back with California license plates. They made the drive from, oh my God. Um, from the Bay Area. Um, so cool. a lot of examples of people making longer drives than they otherwise would to make it there. And at Sand Valley, we're seeing a lot of people from you know, the metro areas, Chicago, Minneapolis, Milwaukee, who are just feeling like, thank God we could get out of our routine, out of our right. basement, whatever it is, and just get outside. Um, so we, we've certainly seen that trend, and we'll see if it's a, a short-term, more global trend, or if it goes away, but it's great to see, even if it's just for a while. Well, and Chris, I think, it, 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 you know, because of this time, it does probably give the other amenities on your, the property a, a chance to really shine, too. Mm-hmm. Right when people are just looking to do anything that's a way, you know not quarantine, um, I, I, I'm sure there's you know a real big notice even to the golfers that come that just want to play play play. But right. and I think you know for your guys' sake, that's kind of what goes into like what you've been talking about about the lifestyle and being outside. Totally, yeah. One one thing, kind of a theory we have is so obviously in a lot of states, maybe most states. Schools, childcare, nannies, you know, aunts, uncles, grandparents who typically help with kids have maybe been off the table or more restricted. So it's harder for 
like I'll just say for myself, people like me, to make a golf trip during the week and get away. Well, what do you mean? I'm working and I'm watching the kids. That doesn't make sense. So we're seeing more families just make the trek oh. as a family unit. And that's been one of the more rewarding things to see is like kids okay. running in the sand dunes, yeah. playing tennis, going out in the sandbox and playing two holes, but having a blast and then grabbing, you know, tacos at Craig's porch. Um, still not the majority of our guests, but it's cool to see more of those family units sticking together during this time. That's awesome. So Chris, let's, let's rewind the clock. Okay. Let's say six to eight weeks back, right? Shelter in place hits in most States in late March. Yeah. Um, this will be, you know, you've got the sheep ranch launch June 1st, right? Tea times are booked everywhere. Probably up until then. Mm-hmm. What's going through your head? You're probably starting to see cancellations come through. I know you guys closed it down at some point. Yeah. Um, did you have an oh shit moment or what was going through your head when all this went down? Yeah, I mean, there, there are probably a few of those moments. <laughs> <laughs> so we, you know, at Sand Valley, we hadn't yet opened on any given year. We opened end of April, first week of, of May. So, you know, we had that liberty, which was, which was great. Uh, we could kind of wait and see. At Bandon, uh, we were forced to close on May 24th. Two or three weeks before that, I think on March 9th, is when we really started generating super detailed reports on our reservations, our deposit tracking, things that we track regularly, but not on a daily basis. Um, so that's when it really was on our radar, going back to March 9th. Um, and, and starting to make some difficult decisions because there was so much uncertainty. We just didn't know. It's like we're heading, the analogy I keep going to is we're going down in a valley, but we don't know where the bottom of the valley is yet, right? We don't have guidance on when we can start marching back up. Um, so we had to make some tough decisions on, you know, capital projects. Let's just hit pause. You know, let's give ourselves as much flexibility as we can so that when we get out of this, and luckily now we're, we're on that march back up. Um, we're in a good position to do what we want to do. A, bit, a lot of talk, Chris, the USAM. You guys are going to be hosting, well, hopefully hosting at Bandon. So maybe you can give us an update on some of the planning around the USAM. Also interested on the courses that are planning to be used, uh, the, the players we plan on. But will Sheep Ranch be used as a practice facility or you know, it's a, it's a, it's not a PGA tour event, but it's a big event. And just kind of curious to know, you know, the plans with the courses and the facilities. Yeah. So I think some has changed. Some could still change, you know, where we are today, we're going to host the event. Uh, there've been a lot of conversations with the USGA. Um, I think they've been looking at what the PGA tour is doing, not to dictate what they do and how they handle it, but as a, as a guide, we've been dealing with our, you know, municipal government, our you know, county government officials, state government officials to try to see, you know, with gathering size, what we can do. So as of today, we're going to host the event. It's possible the event size could change. And I don't want to speak you know, officially because I could have some of these uh, a week or right. a behind on certain data, right. but we're going to have it. It could be that the field size changes. It could be that things like welcoming dinners, which are such an integral part of the experience for the 
years and totally. how they look back on an event. You know, Sir Mac, you've done better than anyone. Um, no, I never made the OCM. All my brothers did, except me. Really? Oh, that's tough. Is that right? So let's, so let's not talk about me. You know kind of, you know, what goes into those big events and you meet, you know, great totally. people. That could look different. And then the volunteer and, uh, and, you know, guests who come in just to watch the event, that could all look a little bit different. My dad has always thought, you know, given his uh, priority on amateur golf, he's always thought of the USAM as his fifth major, at least. You know, it, it's that significant to him. So while we've never hosted right. a, a professional tournament, hosting the USAM is really kind of the, the pinnacle for him and I guess for us as a family and for our resorts. Yeah. Well, I, I think that I think we're also kind of interested because of the COVID situation and like you're trying to plan the largest amateur tournament in the world. But, you know, everybody's quarantined. You've got, you know, a, pretty, a new baby in the home. Your life's changed. How have you and your brother been able to, uh, you know, manage your teams across the world and still kind of run the operations when you're really – everybody can't be where they need to be on time. Right. Yeah. I'm yeah, interested in what your process has been like these last few months. Yeah, that's, that's been a challenge for sure. And I think for everybody in this time – more Zoom calls, you know, like this, and conference calls uh, to the max. We're lucky that the the leadership, the leaders we have on the ground at Sand Valley, uh, at Band, and some of our leaders, you know, from Kemper Sports who who help out at both properties, are awesome. So, you know, when we're away from Bandon or we're away from Sand Valley, we're no, we know the properties in great hands, um, and where we like to spend our time is on those new projects, the value adds, uh, sure. you know, things that are changing. Sheep Ranch has obviously been a, a huge effort. So luckily we can rely on our on-property teams. And then I think more than ever, it's been a little more dividing. Uh, our interests and skills overlap quite a bit. So when we can, we like working on projects together. And, you know, probably over the last 60, 90 days, we've had to say, okay, we've got to divide and conquer right now. We'll, we'll get back to this project we can work on together. Speaking of Sheep Ranch, obviously, you know, that's the big one that's coming up in, what day is it? It's the 15th Friday. So you're a couple weeks yep. away, a little over a couple weeks. Before we talk Sheep Ranch, this question is the first one I wrote down because this one I wanted to talk about maybe more than any of them. Okay. Um, I love talking about the logo process. Tell me, first of all, tell me that you tried a sheep logo and it didn't work. Tell me that you went there first and then talk me through the process of how you got, not saying I don't like it, Yep. but tell me how you got to uh, the official logo of Sheep Ranch. Yeah, so I think any logo project is always interesting, going back to my dad's process and for creativity it's asking tons of questions of people you know people who've traveled people who know logos and let them source ideas so we started by just sourcing ideas we need pictures of sheep we need drawings of sheep we need doodles of sheep so sheep 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 and we got pretty far down that road and my dad thought i've kind of seen it i don't know that i want a sheep representing the golf course so we kind of, we didn't put it on the back burner, but we put it to the side and then said, okay, well, what else could there be? There was a fire truck option, which was my personal favorite. Mm. Um, fire truck comes into play because for the, 
the life of the sheep ranch before you know the new course it was irrigated using two old school fire trucks that are still on property today you'll actually see them when you drive in now that's how we watered the greens we watered the fairways wow so I just that was a cool story yeah and then a few other one-offs so we kind of to get started go to a big group send us your ideas you know deviations of the ideas tweaks to the ideas and then try to boil it down 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 so we had our best three, we put them in the pro shop, we had people vote and buy gear and kind of a surprise win uh, for the shepherd staff that ended up winning. That was like an 11th hour uh, entry that one of our team members put together. Interesting. Yeah, my mind initially went to like, um, like a, a Beth Page, you know, the little, the character at Beth Page or, um, uh, What's the, in, in Carolinas, I'm drawing a blank. Um, Pinehurst Butterboy? Pinehurst, yeah. Pinehurst. I was thinking, like, my mind went to, like, the, the shepherd, right? Like, with his cane. Um, right. But I'm always fascinated because Logos is a very, it can carry a lot of weight, you know? If, if people love it, it'll carry through, you know, the apparel sales and yeah. it's an iconic thing. And so choosing that, uh, it's also a very... Um, opinion-based thing um and so landing on that across all teams is very very tough i'm always fascinated by that process i think i'd compare it to my prediction would be just like old mac started with a very classic clean almost like a private club logo that's non-distinct om mm -hmm. and then over time the ghost tree on the fourth hole you know we tested it out and it's just exploded last year was the first time we saw more gear with the ghost tree than the om Yep. I'm guessing one of these, um, I'll call them mascots, whether it's a sheep, a sheepdog, a fire truck. I'm guessing over time we'll test some of those and those will slowly but surely become the leader in the clubhouse. But that's just my prediction today. Yeah, between you and me real quick, I've always prayed that there'd be like a pine or a tree for trails instead of the butterfly. Yeah. I know Kapalua has their popular butterfly, <laughs> but I've always hoped for a pine or something there. So, you know, just throw that in the, uh, in, in the back well, pocket. Well, Bill Core would be happy to hear that because when he got the, the butterfly at trails, he said, guys, am I the butterfly guy? First I get Kapalua, now trails. <laughs> when we were building Sand Valley, uh, we actually joked with them that it was going to be another butterfly. Logo. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Chris, let's talk a little more about Sheep Ranch, obviously, because it's set to open. Um, can you talk about what makes it different than the other courses, especially yeah. its contemporaries around yeah. property? And what advice would you give to a guy going to play um, a 15 handicap, let's say, to get them a good thought when they're out there? Mm, yeah, good thought. <laughs> uh, I, I think for the advice, it's, it's the advice that I, I get when I'm out there with, with a caddy who's typically outspoken. Uh, put your 56, your 60, mm. you know, keep those in the bag. Do not touch those, okay? Bump and run all day. You're going to be so much happier. Unless you're Matt Cermak who can, you know, flop it off concrete. Just <laughs> don't even think about it. So I think for you're a lot saying of work on that seven and eight iron chipping that everybody thinks yeah. they're going to do, but never does. But it's like, you, you better learn how to do it. It took me <laughs> half the trip to actually realize this. I kept trying to play these pick shots and I kept getting sand and heavy, heavy <laughs> hits. So 
yeah, that's that's probably the number one lesson. Um, you know, in terms of what's different, what are people going to see? They're going to notice the ocean. I already mentioned nine greens on the ocean. You see and feel the ocean on every from every hole. Uh, the first hole plays right down to it. So right off the bat, you kind of can you get hit in the face. With it. Um, there are no bunkers, and I think when people hear that, even when yeah. I heard, that, we were talking about that before we went went on today. Go ahead, yeah. Well, you know, I'd be curious, what what does that make you guys think or feel, you know? Oh, he's turning it back around. What about you? Yeah. Go ahead, sir. Well, I'll let you start. Immediately, when I think of, like, Lynx golf, that feels odd to me, right? Just like, it just is like, huh. Like, what, what's, going, what's, what's going on here, right? Like, um, at the same time, I think I can go out and score pretty well because, you know, <laughs> Assuming it's not too windy, right? Because the bunkers can be just death traps, you know. Right. Depending yeah. on. To me, it's like when you hear there's more ocean. Like the first thing I heard about Sheep Ranch, even before you guys announced that it was going to be, you know, the sixth course if you include, you know, the preserve. Um, I heard it's like the best property, right? Because I had heard about Sheep Ranch when it was kind of like this you pay you leave the money you go mess around um and so but with that being said though you know that is a an initial like you know your hair stands up like oh wow i want to go play that mm-hmm. but it's also hard to differentiate that in your mind from like a pacific um yeah. because it's all amazing views on the water so personally I kind of like when I hear something really different like that. It's almost like my feeling when I heard there's back-to-back par threes on Pacific. Right. Because it's something that you remember, and it's something that sets it apart. And that it could be a draw as much as it might make people go, huh, that's usually a good thing. You know? yeah, well, that's interesting. And Chris, before you jump back in, I, you know, I've not been out there. But you know, obviously, when it's windy, and if there's some precipitation, the golf courses can be just really, really challenging for people, mm-hmm. right? So – Getting back to, you know, Kaiser finding fun themes or enjoyable, did that have something to do with it, knowing the unpredictability on the property? Maybe not. Just wheels are turning here. Uh, fair question. You know, I don't, I don't think so. And in talking, you know, with Bill Core about it, whether it's a defensive answer or not, I think it's more truth than anything. You know, he talks about a good golfer. And keep going back to you, Sir Mac. You might rather be in a traditional bunker. Right, you don't have to hit the ball. You're going to get it to within, give me range, four feet, five feet every time. You know, the lesser golfers, 15 plus handicaps, they actually kind of struggle out of the sand. And so, if we have, it's not a sand bunker, but a depression kind of protecting the greens, we're going to keep that grass a little wispier and longer. I'm happy because I know I can, whoop, you know, get right underneath it. You, I don't know, I can't speak for you. Might not like that as much. I think part of it was the amount of wind. You really, you can get pretty exposed out there in the afternoons or a, a windy day. Sure. And the wind just gets, you know, the sand gets sucked out of the bunkers. It's harder to maintain. So that was, you know, that was part of it. Um, and I think it was smart of Bill Corr and Ben Crenshaw For sure. to kind of buck the norm or the trend at least at the resort. I think visually and playing wise, it just feels totally different. It's like this, I don't know how to describe it, but it feels like a classic Lynx, but just perched right on the ocean. There's something that feels super different to it. 
Well, and it's just really kind of the genius behind those those guys because you keep building golf courses and on a similar on a same on a one on this whole property like finding identity, right? Mm-hmm. And you're just can guys are continuing to to find that and what memory somebody's going to have, right, from playing there towards you know Pacific or the trails or totally, yeah. And in, in my mind, you know, once you're there, once you've played it, it feels totally different than the other courses. Okay, yes, you're on the ocean. Yes, firm and fast. Feels totally different. And I think it's a good thing. So this is going to be a fun little exercise. Um, You've got six options to play. Okay? We're talking band in here. Okay. Um, When you include the par three, which arguably, we said this last time, might have been my favorite experience in the whole trip. Um, Let's say a group, let's say to make it easy, a group of four friends um, you live locally, so it's easier to drive. You want to get out through this whole quarantine situation. Mm-hmm. Let's say you took three days. What is the ideal lineup at Bandit? You schedule out, how would you schedule out their three days? So there, there's a few pieces I'd start with, and then based on preference, you know, whatever you could fill in from there. Um, I might start on day of arrival. Let's assume you get in a little bit afternoon, get a quick, quick bite and head out. I think starting on Bandon, it's a great course to start on. It was the mm-hmm. first golf course. It actually gets the most play out of any of them. It's fairly wide and generous and friendly, not to say it's easy. So for your first round, you know, you're shaking out the kinks. It's going to feel good. And if you're playing in the afternoon, the finishing stretch, 15, 16, 17, you might start catching the sunset as it goes down as you play along the Pacific. So Certainly, it's a great afternoon round. I like it as kind of the, the first kickoff. Okay. Uh, I think the other pieces I'd put in there, I like playing Old Mac in the morning. Um, it's exposed to the wind, and I don't have a, I don't have a punch shot, Sir Mac. Sir Mac. So That's I because like you're, not, I mean, you're not hitting it crooked, are you? You only need a punch shot if you're hitting it crooked, right? <laughs> <laughs> I've got the tree punch. I don't have the, the full swing punch. Knockdown. You're looking for that knockdown. Yeah, that exactly. Knock. Yeah. <laughs> I had a few balls go backwards on me when I was there. I hit it real high. Yep. And uh, I didn't Same learn issue. the lesson of uh, what's the quote, Cermak, in the wind? Swing light. When, bree- when breezy, swing easy. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know like that. Chris, so. you have to have this down by now. He's always downplaying this. <laughs> He's got more experience in the wind than anybody. <laughs> um, so Old Mac in the morning. Um, let's see, trails. I guess trails is great any time of day, pack any time of day. So those might be my two key. Bannon in the afternoon, Old Mac in the morning. Preserve is a great kickoff. It's a great finish. Yeah. Great two-hour you know, plug at any point. Yeah, that's the one thing I regret is not starting. We finished with Preserve. I would have loved to have started with preserve, especially if you're getting in a little late um, in the day, in the yeah. afternoon, um, if you're flying in the morning or, or driving in the morning. Bookending the trip with preserve, I thought would have been um, the best. But there's, you know, for people that are going out now, you get it from the source. No, I think you're right. Yeah, if you get in later in the day on that first day, 18 isn't in the cards. That's the perfect spot. Yeah. Warm up, just have an awesome time. Yep. Get the juices flowing. Yep. If you kind of look at the portfolio of courses and you, I, I, you get feedback from everybody who plays your courses, right? 
do you see any trends with some of the players or people that might prefer Sand Valley to Bandon or to the Bandon courses um, or vice versa? Um, I'm, I think curious, you know, what, what comes in or what you guys hear. Comparing Sand Valley courses to Bandon courses? Yeah, if somebody says they like, you know what, uh, got to pick one. Love them both, but I actually prefer playing Sand Valley more than I play than Bandon and Pacific. Is there a type of player, or um, or maybe it's maybe it's a type of experience that's being had? Just curious, you know, because they're great. It's just like yeah. right, start 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 getting into the weeds and what people are saying. No, that's interesting. I think you know from Sand Valley, the superlative you know within our own courses we hear the most is that's the most fun I've ever had, and that's typically coming off of Mammoth Dunes. Yeah, I said, I said that myself. You know, so, you know, not to say it's, it's a giveaway, but you just, you have a chance to recover and get back and play on any given yeah. hole. And I think that's in part what makes it so fun. It's never, never getting beaten down and out, not to say the other right. that. So from Sand Valley, that's probably the superlative we yeah. hear. I think, I think better golfers are sometimes bashful to say that. It's almost like they feel... They have to say they prefer the tougher course, which Sand Valley is a little bit tougher. So sometimes people kind of sheepishly say, well, I think Mammoth was my favorite. It's like, that's totally okay. Yeah. That's fine. It doesn't have to be the world's hardest course for you to you know, prefer it or enjoy it. Yeah. One of my friends, Chris, and I think I might have told you this last time or before, but um, the way he described it when we visited and did a whole episode about our experience there, he said, if he could go and only play one, course it would be mammoth but if he lived nearby and he played one every other week he'd play sand because he felt like he could continually get better and better and figure out more yeah at sand valley um but you're spot on just for anyone that if you haven't listened to our last episode about um sand valley um the the one plug and quick thing i'll say that struck me was to me the most there's three types of holes to me that are the most fun to play. One is a drivable par four. Second is a reachable par five. And the third is like a mid range par three. Mm-hmm. And the whole back nine is that three times in a row. And it's just the most fun. It goes right up to the clubhouse after you see the fire pits lit. I mean, it's just a really amazing back nine. The whole course is, but that's what came away for me. That's was, well, well said, Ed. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Drivable par fours are my favorite hole. And the sixth, the boomerang green, if you can picture mm-hmm. that, is the one hole. I don't know if I've you know, said this before, but I played it, not for the first time, but let's say last summer. I just said, I just want to walk back to the tee and play it again <laughs> and then play it again. and play. Like, I'd be happy yeah. to playing that hole all day. And I'm sure a lot of courses you could find that, but um, that's a cool sign of a, a fun hole and then a fun course too. For sure. So the, you got to give us an update on Sedge Valley at the Sand Valley Resort for the listeners out there who aren't following the progress. This is what my, we might call a medium-sized course. And Ev, we've got a mutual friend named Drew Homek. I don't know if Drew, if you're designing this course for Drew, you know, his, he's not exactly the straightest off the tee or the longest for being such a good athlete. So, <laughs> we're, ta- so we're talking about a six. Thousand yard course, par sixty eight. Um, talk to us on the progress there, or and we you know. toured this. We toured this property. 
before uh, when we were there. So I had to give Drew a shout out, Chris. You know, he'd be so <laughs> I, mad because we didn't do it last time. <laughs> I can't wait to send him that clip. He deserves it. He really uh, does. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think yes, when you look at the sum total <clears throat> for par and yardage, right? It, it's not a par seventy-two. It, you know, it's not seventy-two hundred yards, but. I think that's really just because there's fewer par fives and there's going to be more par fours generally. And part of the inspiration, um, you know, yes, we wanted to buck the trend a little bit. And I think focusing like you do at preserve or maybe sandbox, if you're playing a, a 13 hole par three, no one's ever asked me or someone I'm with, Hey, what'd you shoot? Yeah. You know, Oh, you shot 39. Good for you. Or at sandbox, <laughs> you shot 51. Way to go. Even par. That just like, it goes out of the question and maybe if it's not you know par 68 then okay who cares if you shot 76 or 83 it's about each hole it's about the routing it's about the experience and doke tom doke and his team can build some of the coolest holes and par fours drivable par fours going back to that kind of um in the game so is it a shorter course if you look at any given hole, not necessarily. It just looks a little bit different than your standard golf course in America, probably. And who knows? Maybe you tell a friend I shot a 78 and they have no idea that exactly. it's not a par 72. You, you know? can still feel great about breaking 80 yeah. or 90 or 100. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, so this is our last question, and then we'll let you out of here. Um, but I was curious what the rest of the year looks like for you. Um, you know, what's changed for you in regards to your travel schedule? Will you drive to most places? Kind of where you're, you know, if you think about where you were at the end of last year, thinking about 2020, I'm sure it's changed. Mm-hmm. What's changed for you and what's your new focus for the year? Where are we going to find Chris if we uh, go out? To, <laughs> we're trying to track to you down. Your, when are we going to run <laughs> into you before we go out to where one will you be? Um, Okay, then I get to ask you guys that question. <laughs> Um, so I'm planning on going to the sheep ranch opening on June 1st. So I'll be there. That's a Monday. I'm going to be there the Friday before till the day after. And in my mind, that's, that's really more of a celebration. You know, typically when I go to Bandon, I might sneak in nine holes, maybe 18 or hmm. nine holes of the preserve. <laughs> this is, <laughs> it's not right. I know. <laughs> This is a celebration. So when people like Bill Core are there, our whole team on property, you know, media members and avid guests that we've gotten to know over the years, I think opening day for sure, we'll just have fun. And then the other days, you know, it'd be great to see the courses and see what our operations uh, are looking like with some of these small t- tweaks we have. So that's my next, I guess, bigger trip. And then probably a bunch of day trips to Sand Valley. I'm going with my wife and uh, her family mid-June up to Sand Valley. Going to rent nice. some cabins and cottages and have that golf and family experience we talked about. Um, but, it, you know, with COVID, it certainly makes you ask, okay, what do I need to do versus what would I like to do? And you got to think through that. At least I do a little bit more. Well, that's it. Anything else you want to plug? If not, we'll, uh, we'll let you go. Matt Tully? Another friend, do you want to talk about his game real quick? <laughs> oh, his, his game is awful. He's distract. He's on his phone nonstop. If you threw that in the lake, he'd shoot 78, but he doesn't care enough. He's an important guy. You know, we got to, you know, we got to give it to him. No, this is fun. 
this is fun, Chris. This is a good, uh, good kind of overall look at kind of what's happening with your guys' courses. And no, I really appreciate it. Yeah, one quick people. thing, Chris, I just realized we never really, un you know, people might be thinking, well, what, how's it going to look different? We talked a little bit about the mobile check-ins. I realized we haven't, we didn't really go into, you know, are your cups, are they raised? Um, do you have the little thing that lifts the ball up? Are they, you got the noodles from the pools? How, what, what's, what can they expect if they're coming? I hope you don't have the noodles, but <laughs> you I, not we, we, we get it if you do. Okay. <laughs> I know I lied. I said there's no more questions, but I did realize we never confirmed. No, it, it's good because that was my plug. I wanted to get the oh, word perfect. out that we're open. You can come play. We have raised cups. So a topic I think you guys need to think about. I've heard of a few people who have felt robbed of a hole-in-one. Oh. The ball rolls in, and when it otherwise would have fell, it momentum took it out of the cup. So they're saying, was it a hole-in-one or not? So this could be the summer of robbed hole-in-ones. But no, you know, golf, I think, depending on your group, it's going to look very similar to what golf typically is with some of those special considerations we've all read about, we've all seen. Um, our, our team members right now are wearing masks. If they're in F&B, they're wearing gloves. So you can't see their smile. That's a big part of hospitality, but they still have those smiles just behind the mask. And then we've tried to make food and beverage in our restaurants, which is probably the biggest change, just as frictionless as possible. So when I was out there two weeks ago, I was on my phone. It was 1.30. I went online on our website. I ordered dinner, said 5.30 pickup. Later, I walked in, didn't have to touch anything, grabbed my bag, said automatic tip, charged it to my room, walked out the door. So if you're someone who's feeling you know, nervous about that process, um, totally get it. And we've tried to address all of those pain points along the way. And then you can do you know, what the experience is all about, and that's playing golf and being with your buddies or family and having a great time. Love that. Oh, that's great. Well, maybe I should like, I might drive. Who knows? <laughs> up in the car. Yeah, I might drive, drive up the coast. Um, <laughs> well, Chris, it's, it's always a treat to have you on. Um, and so best of luck. I know the Sheep Ranch has been a long time coming. So best of luck yeah, on June can, 1st. Congrats to the whole crew on that. Thanks yeah, so we'll much, be guys. celebrating from afar for you. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you soon. That sounds great. Thanks for having me. This has been great. All right. Thanks, man. See you, Chris. Guys. Yes.